Once upon a time, there were four little rabbits. How old are you, Johnny? She asked. Sixteen. We few, we happy few, we band of brothers. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. A wise old king once said, Of the making of books, there is no end. How true today. Of the overabundance of writing published each year, what's worth reading? The answer is simple. Read only the best. Come join the discussion on Just the Best Literature. Hello again, everyone. Thanks for listening in today. Well, I do have one comment, and uh, the comment um, was sent to Dwight Falk, and I, I do appreciate it. People are listening. But uh, uh, there's there's no dear anyone. It says, uh, so again, this was sent to Mr. Dwight Falk. It reads, in his request for comments in the Just the Best Literature program by Dennis Leaf, I was compelled, and uh, this is what's really interesting, Um, it's an anonymous uh, email, it says, I met you in church a couple of times when I attended. Long story short, it's good to hear from you. I'm thankful for all the programs and hope for a time when we may meet again. And so uh, I don't know who you are. Thank you for the comment. And if we meet again, it'll be great. So I'm looking forward to it. But you can, uh, as you're listening, you can meet me every day or every week, I should say. Well, on our last podcast, Deborah and I discussed uh, through Chapter 23 and started Chapter 24. Now, today, we want to move deeper into Chapter 24 and get through Chapter 25. Now, these chapters do tell the story of Jim's first few days in Patterson, and uh, as we go through this, you'll see that they were not probably the best days of his life <laughs> at that point. All right, so welcome back, Deborah. Thank you. It's good to be here again. I'm glad to always have you in here with me. And so, also with us in the studio today is my trusty producer, Gabe, who is eager to get back to work since he had a he had a rough summer and he had a few days off. And now uh, he's back at work. So uh, he will be coming on the radio, as I promised before. Uh, He's going to be coming on as part of the series because he's uh, he's really well-versed in this book. So so welcome back, Gabe. And he can't say anything because he doesn't have a mic. (laughs) So I'll just say, hi, there he goes. So that's Gabe. So anyway, we're really glad he's back. Um. Just a little bit of an instruction. Again, I've, I've kind of changed my format a little bit, and we're going to change it a little bit more as we go th- through this book. Um, I highly recommend that you finish reading the book as soon as possible. And uh, I have finished the book. I, I took one whole afternoon, and I just stayed at my desk, didn't let myself get up, locked myself in their office, and read the whole book. I have to tell you, I was shocked at the ending. I, I had my own ideas, and it, it was not my idea at all. So it shows that I'm not—I don't think right, Conrad. Anyway, uh, but for the next several programs, we're going to take on a new format, and uh, the reason is, is is we're really anxious to get our new series started. And uh, this really has been a, really a rather long book, but I think that there's been uh, a good done with it. I think a lot of people have appreciated it. But uh, for the next several programs, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be giving you highlights of four chapters on each program. And so what we're going to do is get you right to the meat of what the story is and uh, 
uh, again, there's there's a lot of uh, things to come up in the story. There's some romance to come up in the story. There's some uh, real success on Jim's part in the story. There's some evil characters that make their way to the foreground in the story. And uh, uh, it's it's really is, I, I think, uh, probably one of the better books that I've read in a long time. And, and uh, I may pick on uh, uh, Mr. Conrad a little bit for his detail, but it's some of the most beautiful detail I've ever read. So uh, last time, uh, dear, we were in Chapter 24, and uh, we did begin with uh, Marlowe's uh, journey two years after Jim's meeting with Stein. And I made my complaint last time that we don't know how Jim got together with Stein, but he did, obviously, and, and um, uh, he was offered the job in Patterson. Now, when, uh, when Marlowe, again, this chapter opens with Marlowe actually at Patterson, Jim is now called Tuan Jim, and so so in some ways it, it's uh, it's like we're looking at the future before we even see the past, and so uh, uh, anyway, let's let's talk a little bit about Jim's arrival, and I know you have some comments today that you want to give on that. So, well, it's it, this is Conrad the way he he tells a story, like you say. And it's like backwards. It's, <laughs> you have to kind of keep figuring out, okay, what's happening here? But he, he, he basically, he's explaining about what's happened to Jim by what someone else says. And so his first first person he talks about is the the um, elderly headman of the fishing village who acts as a pilot on the sh- on the boat that takes takes Marlow um, up, you know, up to the river, I guess, to, to Patasan, and. It says that that basically it was a, um, it it was a, a way that they, where they weren't exposed to uh, a fusillade from irresponsible, irresponsive parties, such the state of affairs belonged already to ancient history. In other words, it's safe now. It used to be you couldn't do that. There would always be some kind of fighting. So he he learned this from the the um, headman of the fishing village. Right. Right. But then it goes on to say there, it says uh, the same guy, is, he's the one that called him Tuan Jim. Right, yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And so so obviously there's a lot of the story that's not there yet. Yes, he was the first white, <laughs> he was the first white man that he had ever seen. And so there was a, a familiarity and, and a mixture of that and awe, basic awe. Yeah. <laughs> it, yes. Yeah, so I, I think um, there was... What what Marlowe does say there about him that that uh, I think it's interesting that he was a blessing for the village, but he was also a terror, and so he was mm-hmm. a herald of terror. But uh, I, I think we talked a little bit about this the last time, and uh, if we repeat it, uh, bear with us. It's probably worth repeating. Uh, but they do they they do spend a little bit of time of talking about. The miracle of his arrival and, and it's like can you imagine i mean here's jim he's just got this beautiful blonde hair he's got this amazing blue eyes you know he's young he's vital you know he's masculine and uh they haven't seen anybody like him yeah, ever. and they haven't even, you know <laughs> hardly ever seen a white man so it's like this was the first white man this person had seen yeah yes. and he's dressed in white yes right you know, yes. so so it's mm-hmm. like it's like he's an angel out of heaven mm-hmm. you know so um, anyways, it says there, he says he called him Tuan Jim, 
and the tone of his references was made remarkable by a strange mixture of familiarity and awe. They in the village were under the Lord's special protection, which showed that Jim bore no grudge. If he had warned me that I would hear of him, it was perfectly true. I was hearing of him. There was a story told that the tide had turned two hours before its time to help us on his help him on his journey up the river. And so, <laughs> so here's the guy's even mystical. Yes, you know, there's like this this uh, uh, miraculous thing happening around him. He said the talkative old man himself had steered the canoe and had marveled at the phenomenon. Moreover, all the glory was in his family. His son and his son-in-law had paddled, but they were only youths without experience who did not notice the speed of the canoe till he pointed out to them the amazing fact. <laughs> so, so here, this whole family of his feels so honored that they they uh, witnessed the miracle of bringing Jim, you know, up to Patterson. And so, uh, uh, then then I think uh, well that that's the miracle. Then. Um, Marlowe, I think, you know, in, uh, in Marlowe's way, remember now, he's, he's uh, talking to a whole group of his friends on a veranda. And he's, he's told a lot of bad stories about Jim, but he wants them, them to make sure they understand that, you know, Jim is a real blessing. And so he says, um, uh, again, it's a quote. If you, if you look at your book carefully, it's a quote. So it's quoting Marlowe. It says, Jim's coming to that fishing village was a blessing. But to them, as to many of us, the blessing became heralded by terrors. <laughs> and so, so you know, Jim, Jim over the years really aggravated Marlowe. And uh, uh, as we, even, I think, as we get into some of these two chapters, he's going to aggravate him, too. He's going to continue to aggravate him. But um, he said, so many generations had been uh, released since the last white men had visited the river, and the very tradition had been lost. And so, so, you know, there's no more pepper hunters. <laughs> you know, there's no more traders hunting pepper, hunting for pepper. They, they're gone. And so, so can you imagine this island is so isolated and it's just the native peoples that are there. Now, I think there are some Belgian people there as well, but they're, they, you know, they're acceptable. They're there. It says, uh, it, it says, the appearance of the being that descended upon them and demanded inflexibly to be taken up to Patterson was discomposing. His insistence was alarming, his generosity more than suspicious. It was unheard of. It was an unheard of request. There was no precedent. What would the Raja say to this? What would he do to them? The best part of the night was spent in consultation, but the immediate risk from the anger of the strange man seemed so great that at last a cranky dugout was got ready. The women shrieked with grief as it put off, and a fearless old hag cursed the stranger. (laughs) (laughs) So that's like a few hours after hitting Patterson. (laughs) So there's a contrast, you know, know, the horrible way that he he arrived and was sent off. He thought it was going to be the end, you know, going to be this horrible ending ending of, of everything. Meanwhile, now at the, the he's he's called uh, you know he's called Lord Jim you know yeah. after all happened yeah. so it's it's really funny yeah so mm-hmm. so uh, remember now we're at two years after this happened right <laughs> so so but I, but I, I I think the the other thing we have to to remember is um you know when it it's when he's talking here 
uh, about this. That it says the best part of the night was spent in consultation, but the immediate risk from the anger of the strange seemed so great that at last the cranky dugout was got ready. So remember the last time we when we had the uh, well the program from last time is that that Marlo gives a little new a new little rendition rendition on youth, and he says youth is always insolent, youth is always demanding, and uh, you know in some ways Marlo appreciates that in in youth i mean he appreciates that they're fearless and so so uh you know uh it, it just seems like now he's being a little maybe a little bit the way i read it is being a little more honest <laughs> the jim was a blessing but he was also a terror you know he he uh, really stirred up the the whole the whole place um you know, he, he goes on then, he says, he sat in it, as I told you, on his tin box, nursing unloaded revolver on his lap. He sat with precaution, uh, then which there is nothing more fatiguing, and thus entered the land. He was destined to fill the fame of his virtues from the Blue Peaks Inland to the White Ribbon Surf of the coast. And so, so again, there's another comment there that, that Jim, uh, you know, he's a romantic. You know, he wanted to, he wanted to, uh, Fill, be filled with the fame of his virtues, you know. So it's it's like he's going in there as this white prince, you know. So um, uh, anyway, uh, I don't know how much more of this we have to to go through, but he, he, I, I think we may have even talked about this Jim's trip up the river. You know, he saw logs. He was, wasn't sure whether they were logs or alligators. And uh, then he decided, as he was getting further and further up the river, they were all alligators. Yes, it was. It was was because it was it was such a hard trip. He had, he said, he never felt so depressed and tired as in that canoe because he, he had, you know how he had to sit really still because it was on a wobbly on a tin box. You know, so so it was really hard, even though he was a very healthy person, but it was still hard to do so. So to, to you know help him, he you know f- with the boredom. He was trying to decide if the logs were logs or alligators. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then, then it's, the funny thing is, it says, no fun in it, always an alligator. Yeah. <laughs> so, just, but yeah. then, then he said, uh, then a long empty reach, he was very grateful for a troop of monkeys who came <laughs> yes. right down on the bank and made an insulting hullabaloo on his passage. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yes, that, so that was exciting. That was, yes, that yeah. helped. Yes. So he probably had, you know, mm-hmm. the, the the line of the box on his behind, mm-hmm. and then he was also worried about the, the the sunburn on his back, how big the blisters were going to be, mm-hmm. you know. So, but what what he's totally unaware of is their their plan that these people are only taking him up the river so they can show him to the raja. Right. You know, it's not mm-hmm. going to be any better for him mm-hmm. you know it's not going to be like there's going to be this big welcome up the river so uh J- jim says that there he says i suppose he's talking to marlo he says i suppose i might have been stupid with fatigue or perhaps i did doze off for a time he said the first thing he knew was his canoe coming to the bank he became instantaneously aware of the forest having been left behind of the first houses being visible higher up, of a stockade on its left, of the boatmen leaping out together upon a low point of land and taking to their heels. Instinctively, he leapt out after them. At first, he thought himself deserted for some inconceivable reason, but he heard excited shouts, a gate swung open, and a lot of people poured out, making towards him. At the same time, a boat full of armed men appeared on the river and came alongside his empty canoe, 
thus shutting off his retreat. So, so how would you like to be Jim at that point? You know, here he's going to Patterson. He thinks he's going to be able to escape Patna and all the problems in Patna, and he's met <laughs> with a armed, a bunch of armed men. <laughs> you know, so they've got guns. Mm-hmm. You know, so they may be a little backward, but they got guns. Mm-hmm. You know, so so anyway, um, you know, so here he comes to Patterson, and if you remember, remember the last time, uh, you know. Marla was trying to reason with him, saying, you know, this going to, remember he was, uh, after he talking to Jim, he was like crazy, he was just talking about how exciting it was, and he was showing off the letter that he had, that he was going to get Cornelius fired, and then he had the ring, he couldn't, he, he misplaced the ring, couldn't find the ring, and then he tied the ring around his neck, you know, and so he was just excited, 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 and uh, he ignored what Marlo had to say and what happens, <laughs> surrounded by armed men, you know, when he first gets there. And so, so uh, notice what, um, again, Marlowe is quoting him. He said, I was too startled to be quite cool, don't you know? And if that revolver had been loaded, I would have shot somebody, perhaps two, three bodies, and that would have been the end of me. But it wasn't. Why not, I asked. Well, I couldn't fight the whole population, and I wasn't coming to them as if I were afraid of my life, he said. With just a faint hint of stubborn sulkiness in the glance he gave me, I refrained from pointing out to him that they could not have known the chambers were actually empty. (laughs) (laughs) He had to satisfy himself in his own way. Anyhow, it wasn't, he repeated good-humoredly. And so I just stood still, asked them what was the matter. They seemed to strike them dumb. (laughs) (laughs) I saw some of these thieves going off with my box. So here, here, uh, you know, this is not the best welcome to Patizan. (laughs) So all of his goods, including... His Shakespeare, by the way, is in that tin box, and the Shakespeare is there to help him. <laughs> and uh, you know, it's gone. They steal it right out of him. I mean, they're not afraid to—they're thieves, you know. And so, uh, so all your listeners out there, uh, as we go through this, you'll find out there are three fighting factions on the island, and so it's not this island of peace that uh, that uh, maybe. Um, Jim would have liked it to have been, but but uh, there is some of that as well. So I don't want to get too far ahead of everything. It says uh, um, he goes on. Let's see, I lost my place there. He said that seemed to strike them dumb. I uh, I saw some of these thieves going off with my box. That long-legged old scoundrel Cassim. I'll show you to I'll show him to you tomorrow. So remember now, this is the visit. This is two years after these events have happened and so he's just talking about what happened as they as um uh, maybe we haven't said it yet but they're they're on their visit they're on their way to visit the raja and so they're talking he's as he's seeing these things he's telling marlo what's happening and he says i'll show you him to you tomorrow ran out fussing at me about the raja wanting to see me i said all right I too wanted to see the Raja, and I simply walked in through the gate, and and here I am. He laughed, and then, with unexplained emphasis, and do you know what's the best in it, he asked. And he says, I'll tell you, it's the knowledge that had I been wiped out, this place would have been the loser. <laughs> All right, any comments on that? Well, he, I mean, it's, he's, he's, he's aware of how he's been beneficial, you know, to this place, and so, right. So that's what he's saying: is if it had been wiped out at that point, 
they would they would have just they would have been you know right so not so had he's him he's them. in the future looking yeah. in the past mm-hmm. and saying hey if they'd killed me they'd have lost so right. he's obviously proud right of what he's accomplished in mm-hmm. two years mm-hmm. you know so so anyway I think uh, again this is a great th- this next paragraph uh, on this chapter is really good this is uh, part of the I'd say the peaceful part, and um, you know, um, this is now in the present. <laughs> if you, if you look at the way Conrad's writing, he notice uh, this is the bottom of page one eighty six. He said he spoke thus to me before his house on that evening. I've mentioned after we had watched the moon float away above the chasm between the hills like an ascending spirit out of a grave. Its sheen descended cold and pale like the ghost of dead sunlight. So so Marlowe's that's a great description, but it's kind of depressing. <laughs> yes, there's some the thing about the moon, I it's really interesting the way he describes it. Are you going to continue reading about the, you the moon? You can go ahead though. Well, well it's, it, it's just I've never usually when you think you talk about the moon it's romantic or it's beautiful. But here he says it's like the ghost of dead sunlight. Yeah. And then he says he says um there is something haunting in the light of the moon. It it has all the dish, um, dis di- dispassionlessness <laughs> of a I'm sorry of a dis- disembodied soul and something of its inconceivable mystery. And this is why I thought it was interesting. It is to our sunshine, which say what you like, is all we have to live by. What the echo is to the sound. I thought that yeah. was interesting. Oh, yeah. Mis- misleading and confusing, whether the note be mocking or sad. Yeah. So, um, I just, the idea of it's kind of like the echo to sound and sun to the, to the yeah, it's moon. Like, it's interesting. That, that is, again, that's a, that's a wonderful way of writing. I don't, I don't think many people would write that way. No. <laughs> <laughs> but I think Conrad mm-hmm. does all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, like the moon is just an echo of the sun. Mm-hmm. Um. He goes on to say it robs all forms of matter, which after all is our domain, of their substance and gives a sinister reality to shadows alone. And the shadows were very real around us, but Jim by my side looked very stalwart, as though nothing, not even the occult power of the moonlight, could rob him of his reality in my eyes. Perhaps indeed nothing could touch him since he had survived the assault of the dark powers. And so... so it's, it seems like now, I don't know what you think about, who are the dark powers? What's he talking about there? It's not like I'm in class again. Well, it could be, it could be the dark powers of his, his own thoughts of the past, you know, his guilt from, yeah. from the Patna. Or is, he, is it because he already survived, you know, the Raja? Well, that, that could be also, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. the Raja. But yes. he hasn't mm-hmm. met... Mm-hmm. the other factions yet mm-hmm. so anyway it says always silent always still even on the river the moonbeam slept as on a pool it was the moment of high water a moment of immobility that accentuated the other isolation of the lost corner of the earth so again that's that's another thing I think readers you want to remember that the Patison is it's like it's in a lost corner of the earth not many people get to and I think in some ways I think what what uh, Conrad is doing, everybody out there needs to understand. Patterson doesn't exist; it, it, it's not a place in, in, on this earth. 
that it was you know it was really created by Conrad's genius. Um, but but anyway, um, he calls it the lost corner of the earth. This is the houses crowding along the wide shining sweep without ripple or glitter, stepping into the water in a line of jostling, vague, gray, silvery forms mingled with black masses of shadow were like a spectral herd of shapeless creatures pressing forward to drink in a spectral and lifeless stream. Here and there, a red gleam twinkled with the bamboo walls, warm like a living spark, significant of human affections, of shelter, of repose. And so, so it's, it's almost like he paints the scene, you know, as like, it's, it's almost like something out of hell. But then, on, now he's talking about something that is warm and comforting. Right, it's really, it's a, a real contrast because you, you think everything is really bad, black masses of shadow, spectral herd of shapeless creatures, I mean, hor- horrible things. But then he talks about the red gleam twinkled with, with warm like a living spark, significant of human affection. So right, a, yeah. yeah. Now, Jim, Jim goes and he says, he confessed to me, I mean, this is Marlowe mm-hmm. saying, what Jim said, he said, he confessed to me that he often watched these tiny warm gleams go out one by one, that he loved to see the people go to sleep under his eyes. Confident in the security of tomorrow, peaceful here, eh, he asked. He was not eloquent, but there was a deep meaning in the words that followed. Look at these houses. There's not one where I am not trusted. I told you I would hang on. Ask any man, woman, or child, he paused. Well, I am all right anyhow. And so remember, before he left, um, you know, he gave him the the um, the pistol, and the and he forgot the, the shells, but he wasn't sure, and he could, he said, "I will remain," mm-hmm. you know. And so so it's it's almost like the two of them remember their previous conversation. So so obviously they, you know, um, Jim had a, a lot of feelings for. For Marlowe, and Marlowe certainly had a lot of feelings for him as as well. Um, Marlowe goes on to say, I observed quickly that he found out that in the end, I had been sure of it, I added. He shook his head. Were you? He pressed my arm above the elbow. Well, then, you were right. And so, so in other words, Marlowe, I think, is reassuring him that I knew you'd be right. He said, there was elation and pride. There was almost in that low exclamation. Uh, only think what it is to me. Again, he pressed my arm, and you asked me whether I thought of leaving. I want, I, I want to leave, especially now after what you told me of Mr. Steins. Leave? Why? That's what I was afraid of. Uh, it would have been, it would have been harder than dying. No, on my word, don't laugh. I must feel every day, every time I open my eyes, that I am trusted. That nobody has a right, don't you know? Leave for where, for what, to get what? And so then, this is where um, Marlowe reveals that that uh, Stein wants to give him the uh, the trading house and all the goods in there. And uh, uh, the, the the point is, um, when, with with all that, that just makes him want to stay even more. He said, um, uh, I guess the, the thing that we want to look here in this page 188, the very top of it, that, that Jim finally gets to get the life of a hero. I mean, he feels like now that he's on the island, that's what he has here. He said, uh, uh, 
I, I think what's going on here is Marlowe thinks he wants to stay because Stein gave him the the trading house and all the goods. But then Jim comes back and said, it isn't Stein at all. It's giving you what you made for yourself. And in any case, keep your remarks for, and I don't know who M. Neal is. I think, well, I think that was the... That was a Scotsman, wasn't it? That, oh, that's from that's that right. That was from a long time ago. That's so from a long time dead, ago, right? Right, mm-hmm. and and that, that's where Stein got everything mm-hmm. was from right. M. Neil. Mm-hmm. When you meet him in the other world, I hope it won't happen soon. And so Jim doesn't say that it's Marlowe says it isn't Stein at all. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. see, yeah. that's where it, it gets confusing. It gets, <laughs> yes, <laughs> it does I get, know. That's why <laughs> when you read this book, you got to have you got to have a buddy with you. <laughs> That's why we have Gabe. I I think we that we just don't let Gabe talk yet. <laughs> I, I think that Jim was was um, just trying to kind of be humble at first and saying, "Oh, I you know I shouldn't get that. That's too much." Or blah, you know how you do that. And oh, then, I don't. I never do. And that. then <laughs> and Marla was saying, "No, confound your delicacy. It isn't style at all. It's giving you what you've made for yourself." You know. Right. So and that's yeah. what he couldn't yeah. see before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole thing about the Patna. Mm-hmm. He kept saying, forget that. Mm-hmm. No one cares about that. You're right. a good water clerk. Mm-hmm. You know? So anyway, yeah. All right. Uh, so it says he had to give me uh, my arguments because uh, all of his conquests, the trust, the fame, the friendships, the love, all these things that made him master had made him a captive too. So you see, that's where he just feels like you know he's got the, that romantic spirit. And we haven't even talked about the romance yet. I mean, that's that comes towards the very end, and uh, uh, so we are. <laughs> guess where we are? <laughs> you know, how are we going to do the four the four chapters per program? <laughs> We're going to have to really, really whittle it down. All right. So that is all the time we have for today's program so next time deborah and i will continue our discussion of jim's adventures on patazon you can buy lord jim at amazon.com you may be able to find a good used copy at abebooks.com you may be also able to find a copy in your local bookstore now of course you can also check your local library so it is rather late in the game to buy it i still think you ought to buy it and read it if you haven't bought it yet But the new series is coming, and there's about four or five new books you're going to have to buy. And so uh, I can't wait to tell you what that's all about. So please write me any comments you may have to jbl at pcog.org. You can follow jbl on Twitter at jbliteratureone. one You can also follow jbl on Facebook. Simply search for just the best literature. And so until next time, keep reading. been listening to just the best literature on trumpet radio 101.3 kpcg streaming online at kpcg.fm and the trumpet.com